0: Welcome to the Going Rogue with Wes Whitlock podcast. Yeah, I'm excited today. I have uh, Alan Chabero here, uh, a guy I've been um, kind of following him for a while and have some mutual friends um, in within the industry and uh, military and stuff like that. Uh, just another guy that's doing really cool stuff, <clears throat> has done a lot of cool stuff in his life and uh, Just another one of those guys that's out there exceeding what's uh, expected in life. So um, I want to thank him for coming. And, um, uh, you know, Alan's done a lot of cool stuff. He's he's a fourth-degree black belt, the first one in uh, Special Forces, I believe. Uh, The guy has done a lot. He's a Green Beret. He's also co-founder of We Defy Foundation, a a very cool foundation doing great things for, for veterans. Um so we'll talk some about that a little bit. And uh, he also owns a business, uh Tier 1 training. I believe he's still uh running that as well. And um Yeah, man. So, uh thanks for coming, dude. I'm I'm excited to have you. I appreciate the invite. Right on. So, first man, um you've done a lot, dude. You've done a lot of stuff and uh we kind of find uh patterns within certain guys that we like to bring in and that's kind of why we did this podcast, uh Going Rogue, kind of guys doing doing what's inside of them and not really following the patterns of life. So, um, And I've seen a lot of your stuff in, in, um, on your training and your jiu-jitsu and uh, military life. But I don't see a lot on your before that, man. Like, like what, where did you grow up?
1: Um, actually, I was raised overseas. Um, my father was a uh, DOD civilian. He was a comptroller for the Army and then ended up being a comptroller for the Navy. So I ended up moving around to Europe pretty much all my life in the Middle East. Uh, didn't even move back to the States until I was 18. Oh, Germany, wow. Italy, Austria, Saudi Arabia, France, you know, various different places. But most of the time was spent in Italy and Germany and Austria. So I actually got to watch the wall come down in 89 when I was in Germany. Really? Yeah, that was a trip.
0: Dude, I remember being watching that uh, in high school on TV and you were there. I think that that's really cool to to know, man, because I think it, it, it helps kind of understand... You kind of your philosophy and, and and I'm sure that had a big impact on you growing up as a kid, growing up in those environments, <clears throat> opening up your mind and learning different things and um so that's really interesting because i didn't i didn't know I couldn't find anything else on you know on you as far as how you grew up, so that says a lot. Um, do you feel that that um, growing up in those environments probably had you know a big impact on you Absolutely. as even now yeah, definitely
1: um just the um understanding of different cultures, especially being raised up with it gives you an entirely new perspective, especially when you go into, like, a deployment-type situation. You you have a much uh, much better awareness of the culture and, you know, the, uh, and even just basics of, like, the economy and so forth, things like that. You just have a better understanding and grasp of it from being raised up in it. You know, it, it's, you know after the fall of the Soviet Union, you know, the East, East German bloc was, you know, almost at bankruptcy and then, West was actually its prime, and then it had to kind of level back out, and and how that kind of trickled effect over. And I've always been a you know, big history buff, so you know, I loved history. Um, so you know, learning how the you know, the, the influence in, in Europe after World War One and World War Two, and then as I was living there, I got to actually experience that. You know, 40 years after World War Two, and uh, and then being being raised around the military my entire life on military bases, you know, so I got to understand you know both sides of it. And then being raised up in that, I have definitely a unique perspective on it that I've definitely appreciated. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's 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 awesome. And I, I tell guys all the time and um and even my own kids, like if you can go overseas as you're young or as you're coming up and you have that opportunity to go overseas or live overseas, um, that it's probably the best education I think somebody can get, especially in America. An <laughs> America and you know, and they need to go and explore some of these things. Um, so that, that's, really, that's really cool, and it's a, another unique part I believe, about um, you and your life <clears throat> in general. So you come back um, you come back to the states when you're 18, so most of your life you're growing up overseas. Um, you come back when you're 18, and at that point, uh, thinking about joining an army, or had you already known no no, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> So the weird thing is is that uh, you know growing up, I was uh, really big into skateboarding since I was like 10 or 11 um bro see that yeah I <laughs> did see that where I actually was staring at it while I was talking to him I was like yeah that was the same uh that's uh think like the 88? Yeah. Well, yeah, like Powell, 88 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's oh. cool
0: man I I is the same way man I, I grew up skating like that yeah. at the time and that's had a lot of still a lot of influence on some of my designs today you know what I mean yeah. that cool artwork Absolutely. from the 80s
1: uh, boards yeah and uh so the problem was is that when I uh, got into skateboarding, I was actually uh, living in Italy. So, you know, the, the weather was. Ti, ti parliano know.
0: italiano? Sì. Hai capito? Sì. bene, va bene. <laughs> it, it wasn't a choice, but I had to. Go to there. <laughs> that's fucking cool, man. Yeah. Dude, right on.
1: Um, and so when we uh, were living in Italy, it, that's when I started up in it. So I was could skateboard all the time, but it still wasn't a big thing. Um, but when we moved to Germany shortly after, and this was in '88. Um, there was snow on the ground nine months out of the year. So there was literally like at a bus stop in a little 10 by 10 area. I was trying to skateboard around and try to do ollies on the bench. and But it got really boring really fast and it was freaking cold. You got to get creative um, there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But what was available to me right then, um, within walking distance was the, the uh, trying to get to the, uh, Zugspitze, which was the the highest mountain in, in Germany. It was one of the, the best uh, spots to actually go skiing or snowboarding and, and, in my opinion, all of Germany and arguably all of Europe. It's phenomenal. Um, so I got heavily into snowboarding to the point where, I mean, I was going every weekend. I had it marked off and basically I bought my uh, season ticket or season pass, excuse me, and I, I used it so much that I paid it, paid it five, six times over. So it was a hell of an investment for me and, and I got to kind of get that part of me out and, it was a
0: lot of fun, and I couldn't have been in a better place going through that phase. Yeah, that's that's really freaking cool, man. And, and uh, uh, you know, being able to transition from the not being able to skate like you could, and, and jumping into the snowboarding kind of this same type of stuff. Um, it but was the
1: very first uh, snowboard was the one with the metal tail at the very uh, bottom, of the Burton. The Burton, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got the first Craig Kelly. Yeah. You know, so I got into snowboarding from there, and then. All through my high school years, I was actually that's all I was doing, and then ended up going back to the states, and continuing on. So the first year that I got back, um, like most people, they graduate from high school and they want to go backpacking in Europe. Well, since I never lived in the states, that's what I want to do is kind of go backpacking around the states, but more centered around snowboarding. So I ended up uh, uh, going out to California for a season, um, and then going up to uh, uh, Washington for a little bit. Um, and then ended up going back to uh where my father was at McDill Air Force Base, so my parents were out there and uh ended up going to an air show and this is before you know snowboarding was in the Olympics it wasn't like a big thing it was kind of like the old skateboarding days you know where you still had the decal you know skateboarding's not a crime you know right. it, there was a lot of places where you couldn't go snowboarding because it was just off limits it was just for skiing so uh it, it was that that far in the beginning but uh that w- that was like everything I wanted to do was just snowboarding and then, um, you know, didn't really have much of a plan past that. So parents suggested, you know, try it out. Everyone in my family was in the military. So I went to an air show and talked to an army recruiter. Next day I was, already signed up. So, so (laughs) spontaneous.
0: Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I would have, I would have, Assumed that growing up in in a military uh, family and uh, environment that that was just going to be your natural path that you already knew, but it um, obviously wasn't. You were um, you're adventuring. You were you were snowboarding. um, And I think what I see with you and what I understand is when you do something like you go all out, man. You go extreme, (laughs) dude, which is rad. I mean, that's how you get really good at stuff, and um, and probably love the adrenaline of it as well. I think it's awesome, man. I uh, I didn't I didn't snowboard so much. I grew up in Utah, which I should have. We'd go down the park and and go down the hills and stuff, but nothing crazy. We but skateboarding was everything. We would yeah. break into the swimming pools and, you know, like like you said earlier, back then there wasn't skate parks. You just yeah. had to use make the park out of whatever environment you had, you know. So, uh, you know, and I think. I don't know, between skateboarding and snowboarding, stuff like that, kind of, um, I don't know. There's something really neat about it, especially in those days, the, the art behind it and the music and the, the sense of freedom and stuff like that that brings that vibe out of you, you know. So um, that's cool. I'm sure surfing's the same way. I haven't tried that, but, That's the you know. I've,
1: I've, I've been wanting to try surf for the longest time. Everyone says exactly what you said. It's, like, uh, one of the best ways of, like, individual expression of your artistic self, you know, yeah. and... Uh, the closest way to connect with nature is what I've heard. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many times, um, and that's the one up they have on snowboarding is that you don't have that same connection, and that's you know a connection to keep for life. So yeah, man. I'm still not. I'm yeah. not done. I'm going to try it. No, I'm, I'm sure you're, <laughs> sure you're,
0: you're going to be doing that at some point again, soon, man. Uh, yeah. Um, fuck, dude. A lot of cool stuff. So from there, you join the army. I'm um, going and talk to the recruiter and, and then uh, decide to join. So, I initially went in as,
1: because um, at the time I spoke German, I spoke Italian, I spoke English, and so I was trying to be a, you know, anything to do with languages and trying to get back into the mountains. Um, so, I ended up uh, uh, trying for an interpreter and I uh, was trying to end up back in Vicenza where I grew up. Uh, it was, you know, just a couple hours away from the mountains, so I could, you know, a good middle ground. Yeah. Uh, so, I want to tried. get back to all that
0: pasta, man. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing
1: was, is uh, I'm not going to say that you know it's an individual thing, but I definitely didn't understand um, how the process worked, because what I had filled out was what I had been explained. It was a guarantee to be able to go to Italy, to have the uh, twenty-five thousand dollar college bonus, to you know go airborne and air assault, you know all lined up, nice pretty package. So as soon as I show up to uh, uh fort jackson um they're like oh no uh, go ahead and fill out your dream sheet so i'm like no no, no i got this you know i already have it guaranteed and they're like no you don't <laughs> what do you mean so i started looking back and he's like is this what you're talking about i was like yeah this is a counseling statement <laughs> wow. i was like ouch uh so what am i gonna be doing he's like well you signed up as a you know you know mechanic and I thought that was like well that was just to get me here and then they said the, the school was like right across the street or something. Yep. So I did my first three years as a mechanic and it was a diesel mechanic with the cut V, deuce and a half. Yep. You know, all the things that they discontinued within five years, so I got my foot in the door, I started kinda of doing it that way. Um kind of get understanding of the army, kinda of grew up in it. But that was, that was it. I mean, I, I didn't really gain many skills. There wasn't got anything going on at the time. I mean, I, I joined in 95, so that was you know, a few years after Somalia. Yep. Uh, Bosnia was dying down. I mean, so there really wasn't anything. So I figured yeah, after that first enlistment in 99, nah, I'd just get out. Um, but I just didn't feel like I'd done anything. So um, everything I've been told can you know, like Garrison, the, the, the highest you know, honor that you can do is to be a drill sergeant. And so that's where I went to, to actually do it while I was going to school. But well, It was in a reserve unit. So, um, But just being able to have the title and go to school and, and do some time on the trail, that was, that was the highest pinnacle of what I was trying to achieve because, again, there was nothing else.
0: Yeah, I remember those years. I went in in 93, and it's funny you say that because a, a very similar scenario happened to me. Went in. I knew I wanted to join the Marines. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to jump out of helicopters and do all this cool shit. And, uh, you know, I go in there, same thing. Hey, man, um, sign here, sign here. And I didn't know. I didn't have parents or anybody in there, like, guiding me. I didn't know anything, yeah. you know. So I just went in there and signed shit, dude. And thinking that's what, you know, I was going to do. Um, go to boot camp. And after they start reading the list of what schools you're going to, same thing. Motor T. He was like, thirty five thirty one. I was like, what the hell is that? He's like, trucks, truck driver. I was like, fuck. I don't, you know, I don't, really, don't want to do with this other stuff. So, but, you know, it is what it is. I went in and and... I did three years, same thing, driving trucks and all that, and you know it was, for me the same. It was the same thing. It was like this is not. You know, I was a, a first class shooter, first ca- class PFT. Like I wanted to do other things, but then this was '93, '94, '95. Like you said, there wasn't a whole lot going on, uh, and um, and then I found out about the uh, Marine Security Guard program and getting, you know, getting overseas, back overseas, and doing some stuff that I thought was pretty cool back then, so I applied for that, and eventually made my way over there, and that's where all the other doors for me opened up, um, but very similar scenario, so all all these young guys that, I don't know, today is probably better, but make sure you're <laughs> you're in there signing the right stuff, and understanding what you're signing, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, things happen, and then you just make the best of it, and that's how I, you know, whatever happens in life, you just make the best of it, and then with that, you can make changes along the way. Yeah, you know, so, um, so that's awesome so same thing, man. Dr- uh, drill, drill, sergeant, like that's that's pretty badass, man. I remember, um, seeing those guys and the DIs and all that, and saying that's man, that's like the fucking pinnacle of it. It's, yeah. This the whole thing, you know, because it was so cool, and uh, I still think those guys are awesome. So that's badass. So you went in, uh, drill, uh, drill sergeant. Um, how, what is that, two-year tour or something like that? Um, so because it was a
1: reserve unit, I actually joined up um, right after um, uh, I came off active duty, so from 99, and then uh, went to Daryl on School at Fort Jackson in 2000. Um, and then, uh, so the odd thing was I actually re-enlisted July of 2001 and uh, for a five-year contract. And then just a few months later, 9-11 kicked off, and I was stuck in this contract, and uh, that's when I realized, I was like, now I know there's more to it, I need to do something else. And uh, what even motivated even more um, was just the simple fact that they were actually going to deploy my unit to Fort Sill for two years, and I didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, You know, I spent my, you know, the two weeks a year, you know, uh, on the trail, and sometimes more, but... uh, I mean, I wanted to get in the fight. I I didn't want to sideline this one. Um, And I didn't want, you know, to be, you know, risking guarding silos or, you know, running a patrol around the base or anything like that. So if I figured if I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the guys that make a difference, that um, actually play a role, play a heavy role. Um, And what always, um, always I gravitated toward was the guys that, did, the, did what they needed to do uh, outside of the limelight, so do what they needed to do, things got done without anyone ever knowing who did it, when it got done, or how it got done. It just got done. There was always that, um, that mystique to it that always got kind of gravitated toward. really it was definitely for me, so that, that, uh, that
0: quiet professional. Exactly. Audience, exactly. Yeah. So then you uh, go through selection. Uh, I wish
1: it was that easy. <laughs> um, so because I, I reenlisted, I had to do a, um, I was going back and forth with paperwork for the longest time. And um, I had a new commander that actually told me, you know, basically sat me down and said, uh, you know, if you fuck this up. You're, you're going to owe me time. But I'll, I'll actually sign you off so you can go and, and try it for selection. But that's the deal. So you fuck up. You don't make it. You come back here. You owe me your time plus two more years. Deal. Wow. So uh, I had to do a uh, transfer from the reserve to National Guard in, uh, out in Mississippi and Grenada. So I was driving like eight hours one way so I could make my weekend drill. And um, I mean, that was like for nine months. And I was about to give up on that because I was. Uh, they do like the ori- uh, orienteering training, hold the land nav, um, your, your your PT test, uh, and, and basically kind of get you prepped up for selection. But once you made it, and I made it after like the second month, and everything else just becomes repetitive. I already did this. I already did this. You know, ready to go. Ready to go. You know, I've been doing all the rucking at my house, and when I was back in Texas, and um, so Little was about to give up. This is around the same time frame where I got my black belt in jiu-jitsu, and uh, I was training a lot with Travis Lutter. So he was about to go, um, you know, pro in MMA, and the manager that we had, he only represented. Three people at the time. It was myself, Travis Luter, and Matt Sarah. Well, not like two weeks later, um, I get a call from the uh, unit saying, "Okay, we got you a date for selection." And so now I had to decide whether I was going to go pro in MMA or actually, you know, go to selection and go that route. So I figured, you know, this is something where you know very v- much fewer people make it. Um, And I want the bigger challenge. So I just went ahead and went SF. Kind of bit me in the ass later. (laughs) I just remember being there in like 2007. Um, I was with the SIF. We just came back from this freaking long-ass mission. It was like 14 hours or something like that. And uh, I remember getting to the chow hall. And um, I mean, I'm just stinking like ass, sweaty, dusty, everything. Sit down, I look up, and I see Travis Luter and Matt Sarah won the ultimate fighter, and they got the contracts and I was just like, and I'm just looking at myself <laughs> smelling myself going,
0: maybe I didn't make uh, the right uh, decision yeah. <laughs> um that i, I can't <laughs> even imagine like being in that that I could see it like mm-hmm. there sweating dirty, tired, yeah. hungry, you know, and uh you look up and see the two guys that you were with before um Doing that, not saying that that's better or cooler in any way, but you know, being a, in, in that scenario, looking at that, you know. But I think, and, and I'm sure you would agree to say, you probably still made the, the right decision of of, of uh, going SF and, and serving your country, and, yeah. and and that says a lot about you too, man. Guys like um, Tillman and guys like yourself that you know take take that other route and say, you know what, I there's a bigger purpose than me. Um, I want to I want to be part of something bigger than that. So um, that's that's uh you find that pattern in, in a lot of these guys like yourself so that's uh i think that's awesome but you know you also are still a good fighter man you still all all that in you too you know what i mean like yeah. what dude is i mean freaking black belt um sf you know <laughs> i think the first one
1: right um i don't claim to be the first one in the army um because I, I can't verify it. So right, I just say one of the not first. Not too many. Yeah. yeah and you, then, uh, but at regiment, yes, yeah. that I can verify that I was the first one in regiment. Yeah. That's that regiment.
0: I think that's pretty, pretty freaking awesome, man. Um, so yeah, now you're um, you're in. Um, was this uh, after selection or Q course or already in? Um For which part? When you're there, dirty. Oh no, that that was yeah, that was my first deployment. You're already deployed at this point, okay? So even even more of a gut punch there, (laughs) a little bit. Um, all right, so you're out, you're deployed, and you're with your guys. This was in Iraq. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All my rotations were in Iraq. Okay.
1: That was the one of the funny parts is you know get to live, see the world, join the army, and
0: yay Iraq. After yeah. being after being in so many freaking <laughs> awesome countries, uh, you know, ending up there. But hey, that's where that's where the that's where the shit was happening. So yeah. you know, whatever the duty calls, and, um, and you were third group. Yes, third group. Yeah. So
1: I started. So I started out in um, uh, with twentieth group out in Mississippi in the National Guard unit, and, and uh, as soon as I graduated from the Q courses, when I went to, um, um, I went back active duty. Um, it was. More by chance than anything else, because while I was at the Q course, I was going to the gyms and lifting, and there were guys that were, they were doing jujitsu out there, and um, uh, when they were out there, uh, it just irked me. I couldn't, I couldn't keep watching. I'm like, hey man, you mind if I jump in and kind of help you all out a bit, you know? Right. So, you know, one session, you know, and they're like, hey, you gonna come back tomorrow? I was like, yeah, I'll be here lifting. You know, I'll be get done around this time. So I just kept going more and. You know, as embarrassing as it sounds, you know, there, there's so many acronyms, but they're like, oh, yeah, we're a third group SIF. I just got done with SIF, which was the central issue facility, so I'm, like, thinking these guys are more POGs than anything else or, you know, administrative position. And, uh, <laughs> um, and so I just, you know, I just ignored it and just kept going. So this went on for, for several months. And then uh, coming close to uh, graduating from the Q course, they were asking, you know, where are you going to be going, you know, what are you going to be doing? And uh, one of the guys, uh, Steve Nix, was uh, uh, one of the 18 Deltas in the, in, uh, in the company, um, pulled some strings and said, hey, we can pull you right on You know, and go right through the SIF, which was, um, it wasn't unheard of, but it definitely was rare. Um, matter of fact, there's only a few cases I know about. Tim's one of them. Yeah. That literally went straight from the Q course into the SIF, because normally you have to do a couple years on the team. You have to do at least... Uh, I believe one or two deployments. Um, you go through the interview, and go through their their tryout, um, uh, finish Sephalic at least, and then you can go in and go on the B team, and then you earn your way up to an A team. Um, and just the way the, f- the, the cards fell is, you know, I was fortunate enough to go straight on there. And My first rotation, there wasn't... Uh, uh, I wasn't uh, assigned to a specific team. I was just jumping on with every team that I could anytime they went out. So it didn't matter. I just wanted to keep going out, and gain experience, because my first deployment. And then I was with, you know, operators that had been ten years in, you know, hundreds of missions, and I just felt inadequate, you know, being there. And I wanted to make sure I earned my keep. I wanted to be a, you know, an asset, not a liability. So I was gunner one night, was driver the next night, um, was pulling security the other night. Um, Uh, cordon for this guy, you know, stay with the vehicle on this one, the 50 gun, the minigun, the Mark 19, whatever that needed to be done, I volunteered for. um, Just to kind of get as much experience, and that way I kind of knew how the the players worked and how they moved and, you know, a much better understanding of things.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, um, yeah, like you said, um, asset over liability, you know, and that's kind of what I I think, and again, another – uh, another pattern I see with a lot of these guys is it's you know it's always like find a job there's a whole fill it you know yeah. head on a swivel you know find you know ha- working with those type of guys that are you don't have to question they dudes going to jump on that gun or he's going to fill that position without really having to say anything you know and that's uh, you know what you find in those communities um, you know and and maybe a lot of guys have a problem with that when they get out um, <laughs> explaining that to your work environment a yeah. new environment because uh, you know most civilians don't know that. <clears throat> Or um, they just haven't had that experience or exposure, so they wouldn't. Um, so you're obviously in the right world that you have kind of fell, not fell into. You've also prepared. It's also, you know, somebody who's um, obviously driven um, and has that inner passion to do extreme things in life. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to see, like, what is it inside you that makes you want to do that? What is it, what is it that's um, – has that always been there when you, since you were a kid? Or is, there, or is there a switch in there that just con- makes you continually push to, to be the best and be that asset in everything that you do?
1: Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's not something that I realized uh, until maybe just a few years ago. Um, Matter of fact, it became abundantly clear when my wife and I were taking dance lessons for the first time, and at the end of it, I'm like, are there any dance competitions coming up? <laughs> Anything like that? I mean, literally, I'm <laughs> stepping on my wife's toes just constantly. I'm just trying, okay, now I'm thinking like dancing with stars. That's, that's the goal. So That's that like
0: competitive uh, yeah, nature, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so
1: my wife's like looking at me going, my once tried like... Just getting the, the first thing, right. step, step, step. You're step, already step, like step. thinking yeah. competition. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of shoes can I get? You know, to make me slick. You know, to have the advantage on that. Yeah. And, and looking back, it was the same thing. I got into skateboarding. I, I don't. I don't have a hobby mindset. Anything that I do, I, I literally just want to be the best at it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if I'm going to, fuck. When I was in boot camp, go clean the toilets. I would clean the best fucking toilets. Yeah. You know, <laughs> clean enough for the president to come in and just. There you go. The royal throne, ready for you, spick and span, top to bottom, all the nuts greased up, everything's done. It, it just, that's the way I was raised. That's the way my father kind of like, no matter what you do, be the best at what you do. Yeah. Um, and throughout the years, that just kind of like um, solidified more and more. And then, um, and it didn't matter what I did anymore. It just, it, it, it was be the best. Now, kind of backfires sometimes, you know, because, you know, I don't have that that middle ground where I can just enjoy things, you know, or I have to literally put myself in a, you know, mental state where I'm like, this, I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to enjoy going, um, whether, you know, it doesn't even matter what it
0: is. Well, I saw that. I saw that in one of your uh, videos you were talking about uh, when you get onto the podium and and you've won a match. Yeah. That you might enjoy it for those few seconds, minutes, whatever, and then you step off it, and it's like, all right, I'm going to that's yep. done. Move on to the next thing. Yep. You so know. And know,
1: I take off that medal, and then the first thing I'm doing is going back, you know, looking through the videos going, ah, I should have done this or should have done that. And, and I just plan right away. And now, of course, you know, if there's injuries involved, you know, I'll just be, you know, looking at videos and stuff. Like, but what
0: was the one that you, like, broke your spine or something didn't even yeah. know it? <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, that was,
1: that was one of those other things where right. I should just, you know, stop being so damn stubborn and just kind of like, okay, call it quits, but... That's like how you're built, man. Yeah. I I couldn't I, I I couldn't. My mentality after that happened when I kind of came back to was, I'm gonna put this back on you. I'm gonna make you feel, you know, how hard that I want to beat you. So it, it wasn't like beating him on this sense. You know, there's like a whole another lane of like I want you to remember this match for the rest of your life. You know, and and it mainly and, and it wasn't. It wasn't illegal what he did, but it was excessive, and there were, you know, but again, it wasn't illegal. It was just me not being accustomed to the rules, and in the end, he didn't do anything wrong, technically, um, but uh, what actually <laughs> what was becoming more clear is that you know, his utter frustration that he had to go to that in order to escape. So all his technique was out the window. He had to, like, use his, you know, height and weight and uh, right. athleticism to, to get out of that. And so that would motivated even more. Um, and I just remember the, the sharp pain, like, when it hit. And then that, I, probably the adrenaline dump is just, you know, going after him after that. I I just forgot about what happened until after. Where I was just like, okay, something's weird now with my arm. And, you know, especially the weeks and months following. And, and so... Muscular atrophy in my left side, and you know my arm, my leg. And you know, it, was, it was strange. It, was, it took a few years to get after that. Um, and then every time I was hurting my neck again, it would you know kind of start to clock over, It'd take like a year or two to kind of get back over. Um, my very last, my absolute last jump, static line in 2000, uh, 2009, um, ended up the entire chalk ended up in the trees. Everybody um, and whipped my neck um, and damaged it again, I mean, almost the same thing. It was just when I landed just like a whip um, and that took a couple years to get over as well. Um, so it never really fully healed properly, and I just had surgery for it uh, last year, so wow. I hope I'll be able to keep it straight now
0: <laughs> um, Let's stand by real quick. who Hey, who is that? what The fuck? loud. Enough.
1: fans yes. yeah
0: no, no they're like i don't know like construction workers or something but they're fucking loud they're out. all right sorry about that no Uh no no they, that's fine i'll just just tell them if somebody comes in if they can just kind of keep it down it was, uh, oh it's charlie. It charlie fuck it was yeah no shit fucking <laughs> dipshit um all right so um Okay, so your injury, so your when you first sustained your that injury, it took you about three years to kind of, not fully heal, heal probably, but kind of get stronger, get back, stronger, into, get the, back yeah. into the game, and, and this was before you joined the Army? Uh, this was
1: 2001, actually, yeah, okay. July 2001 as well. So
0: you had to go through all your training, your military training as well, yep. on top of that injury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. So was that hurting in between that whole time?
1: Um, So by 2000, excuse me, by 2004, when I was actually going back in active duty or through the National Guard to go to the Q course in selection, I kind of made it past that hump um, because initially it was basically like as soon as I started feeling good is around the same time frame where I was actually able to go to selection. So um, normally it would be my back that was was hurting because it was just kind of lopsided, but. You know, I healed up just in time for that, so it worked out well. The timing of it was excellent, so I really can't complain. You know, I didn't have uh, any serious injuries going in. I'm not going to lie about that, but uh, it healed up before I got
0: out there. Yeah. Wow. Still, yeah. That's that's a that's a lot to even have in the back of your mind, thinking, man, it could happen that's again as you're what as I was your training. About. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that was definitely a fear. So you you but you continue on. You get through training, you, and, and you're in. Um, as you're in, the, time, the entire time you're in the Army and and um, uh, with SF, you continue to train um, Jiu-Jitsu and martial arts, or have you kind of stopped at this point a little bit? No.
1: Uh, in a Q course, um, I did. matter of fact, uh, Tim and I were, were training a lot, um, but when I got to the uh, third group, the Sergeant major that I had was uh, uh, very clear. Um, so... Some of the, the the more, you know, SAR Major, the commander, and basically I got sat down like, okay, you're an operator, not a fighter. You decide you want to be the other. And let me know they now. They probably
0: told you and Tim the same thing. <laughs> um,
1: but they were, they weren't, uh, they weren't too keen on me competing or training on, you know, while because I, I was either in schools or deployed. So I mean, literally constantly. Uh, and that's one thing I really loved about uh, being and, you know, that time frame especially is that, you know, I got back from my first deployment, you know, four months later, I'm back out, you know. So in between that, I got to go to a couple of schools. And, you know, so all my time is filled up. I'm single, no wife, no kids. So it worked out great for me. I, I freaking loved it, every bit of it. Um, they told me I had more schools to go to. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll go. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't matter what it was, driving schools, shooting schools, um, I, I, that's one aspect of a fucking love. Yeah. I really love that. You know, the more knowledge, the better off you're going to be, you know, the better person yeah. you can be. And then it just, you know, enhance, enhances enhances that the whole team benefit, you know? Yep.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. yeah being that asset. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and, and being that asset, yeah. Exactly. Taking those opportunities that come and, and say, you know what, Hey, uh, put me in there. Let me yeah. try it out. Let me, let me go through, get schooled up on something. Um, yeah, man. It's. I think it just. Yeah. It's again. It just reflect it reflects yeah, your nature, um, and um, you know, just being that that person that's that's pushing, pushing, and pushing and pushing, even with injuries, and even with knowing that that could happen, um, and not being scared. I think. Yeah. A lot. Maybe a lot of guys are held back because of that. You know, that fear of. And I've had it. I'm like, well, fuck. What if this happens or that happens? If I do this, but you have to be willing to take those chances sometimes to grow and get better. Um, dude, right on. Okay, so uh, not only that, mm, you know, Alan's done a lot of cool stuff, and he works with a really cool foundation called We defy. I actually learned about them. Um, it's kind of a long story. This was this was I don't know two years I'm ago. I'm really so. curious about this. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. we, I work. You know, Joey Warpaint, Joey out in Virginia yep. Beach. that does the art, and yep. um, of course, and like Tom. So Tom Hardy, Venom. Who is a big supporter of ours? He's probably our number one customer, and him and Joey are tight. Uh, Tom works with the Reorg Foundation and with the Royal Marines, who you know well. And uh, Tom and Joey approached me and asked me if we want to do a collaboration with Reorg to help on, you know, for a shirt to help raise some funds for their foundation. And absolutely, hell yeah! So I looked into them and checked them out, and I was like, ah, this is this is rad. This is cool. What these guys are doing and then they they introduced us into we defy and said hey this is the american mm-hmm. side of what reorg does you know taking combat wounded uh, veterans and, and giving them scholarships to uh, join um, the jiu jitsu uh, culture and helping them recover or helping them get back into the 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 mindset of being uh, having that purpose and um, being very beneficial towards whatever injuries they have or ptsd and finding that it's really beneficial and i've learned since meeting you guys in these foundations i actually started myself because of that i said i can't be involved with this if i'm not doing it myself so i joined up so i'm still baby at it but um i like what i was seeing and what i was hearing from a lot of guys even when i when i'd started i talked to a couple guys there said it fucking change their lives you know they were in really down and outs and then they joined and um they have that that purpose again and just and once you do it then you feel it you're like all right cool because everything it's just like shooting you're just thinking your front sight you know, when you're there you just think you're not thinking of anything else and then when you leave you, you leave feeling really good um so that introduction happened and we worked started working with the reorg i met sam and um you know met some of your guys that had come down and I just liked what I was seeing and studying it more and seeing what you guys were doing and and then that's when I found out about you um, and saw what you were about. It really um, it really motivated me to want to get involved in some way. You know, we've always tried to work with foundations. I built my businesses on always having that that sense of giving back to our communities in some way, shape, or form. You know, as you as you are able to prosper and grow, that you should. Stay involved with those things and help others, so <clears throat> when I found out about you guys in reorg, I said this is this is something that's I could truly see helping dudes and i've talked it's it's not doing push up's it's, it's this shit's really changing dude's lives and then met mark, who's over there' his triple amputee um, who just got his blue belt, I think, and then your founder as well, I believe um, joey Joey yep. has um you know, I believe from what I side, he came into your gym, brought his daughter, and then you guys started talking and it yeah. kind of developed the We Defy uh, culture. Yeah. Um, so, dude, um, anybody out there, you know, make sure you check out We Defy or Reorg and go and see what they're about because um, it's freaking cool. And um, maybe you can, you know, tell us a little bit more about the mission yeah. and what you've seen firsthand from dealing directly with, with the guys on the ground, um, literally, um, so yeah, man, I, I love it.
1: Um, so it, it all evolved from from Joey, actually. Um, so for me, after and this was five years ago, so 18 years of doing the same sport. I'm um, not saying burned out, but um, you kind of get uh, settled into it in a sense, you know, to where it's it. Uh, Excitement's kind of kind of gone. You have these spurts here and there, but it's pretty much a lifestyle, and you know you've been involved in so so much. Nothing's really um, spicy about it, you know. Yep. And then as he walked in, and you know, bad choice words. As he came in, and we started talking. um, The the biggest thing was uh, my my attraction to being able to work with him was the entire reinvention of teaching uh, I've been teaching already for like 18 years uh, 16 years and um, it, it wasn't of course I'm, I'm by no means any way stretch of the imagination saying I know how to do it all teach it all um, but this was an entirely new aspect you know the the um, the center axis of gravity is entirely different you know the way he pushes to gain you know the torque or momentum or you know force uh, well now he has two titanium femurs so the, the muscle flaps wrapped over so mm-hmm. he can't stand on the legs and um, he only has 70% of his hand or he can't turn it over in this way he only has half of his right arm and, and you know, all these different things where do you even start you know so it was there for like I, 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 to this day I remember the you know little green notebooks you get, you know, it's a, it's a supply books. Yeah, you know, I got I, really I got one back there. <laughs> <laughs> I still so, use it. Yeah, but when you lift it, right, you have yep. notes. So I did mine for jujitsu. I had eight pages front and back um, of all the different things that we could try. Literally within the first week, I had to scrap like uh, six pages, and we had two pages to start with. Um, and But from that um, very base that we had – uh, it, it literally just grew and grew and grew, and he started uh, you know, learning a, a whole plethora of different techniques that we could chain together. And you know, and the mechanics were sound, um, but we noticed something else that wasn't just him getting better. We noticed he was losing weight. We noticed an entirely different change in his personality. Um, he was becoming more um, more comfortable around people. Um, he, he started paying attention more to even his family. Just things that, you know, almost like a, a veil had been lifted, you know, that he could actually see, and, and and it was an amazing transformation. Within, like, six, seven months, he dropped almost 40 pounds. I think it was, like, 37 pounds. Um, he was happier than ever. He had, uh, he had you know, a goal in mind. He, he Now he had, like, hey, I want to lose this weight. I want to do this competition. And without even having to discuss it, he's like, but I only want to do it against regular abled and his entire uh, 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 rationale for that was the reason why he got to jiu-jitsu in the first place would be able to defend his family and so the likeliness that another amputee coming in to try to rob him is slim to none, you know, versus an able-bodied person full, yeah. you know, with all their limbs. So he wanted to make sure that, you know, if he's putting himself to the test, putting himself to the test in something that's a realistic self-defense type scenario. Um, and in competition, even though it's sport and there's, you know, it's a controlled environment with, with rules and the settings and a referee to ensure safety, it's still much, you gain so much more out of competition in the sport than you do just rolling. Because you have, you know, the, the, uh, the intensity goes in prepping for it. You have the mental aspect. You have, you know, someone who is actually trained. You know, of course, you're going to compete against someone who has relatively the same amount of training, um, but you have that aspect where they're going in with the same intent. They're trying to beat you. So it, it's it, it, the way I like to put it is that one competition equals about 50, 50 days on the mat and when you're training because all your mistakes get magnified, the, uh, your movements, and you can really see what sticks and what's instinct and what's not. And that is a key thing to developing your game. Um, so he kept going one after another, and, uh, and he was losing. But he wasn't, lo- the, the surprise mm-hmm. part, he wasn't losing by submissions, he was losing by points. And he was taking these guys down. Um, and um, shortly after that first competition is when, um, actually, it was through uh, Chris Howder, um, was telling me about the guys out in England because he's got several uh, combat bases out there and uh and that's initially how i met uh you know uh, sam Sheriff. and um, we uh chris and i partnered up and we went to england do like an english uh, england tour you know jiu jitsu and so we got to train with the um, um the, the royal army um and then we went up to the royal marine commandos um uh, training center and met up with uh, sam and uh so this was uh basically the infancy stage of of their foundation and um so it started out initially as, like, a rough draft of the Royal Marines, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I don't even think it was foundation at the time. It might have been. Um, but the intent was to develop a mirror image of We Defy over in England for the British troops. And um, so literally just handed them everything that we're doing, how we're doing it, when we're doing it, um, how we're, you know, you know the, the future, we're, you know, trying to achieve. He took all that, ran with it, and started doing things that we didn't even think about. It was incredible. So we were learning from him now, just really quickly, uh, the marketing aspect of it, you know, and how they're reaching out and how they're labeling things and how they're bringing people in. It was it was incredible, you know. So uh, it, it was a learning experience for me as well and for the guys on Weedify to try to, like, you know, ramp it up and, and make it a more national thing. Um, and then uh, Mark, of course, came in, and um, it was... <laughs> Kind of odd how, you know, Joey and I were, you know, the partner for Weedify, and then they found another triple amputee for reworking doing the same thing. Um, I'm not sure if Sam told you, but uh, the next step is actually um, we've been uh, doing a lot of talks with um, uh, 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 veteran Grampling in uh, Australia. Uh, So this gentleman out there called Scott Steer is a former uh, Australian SAS, and, uh, you know, we're actually... You know, talks with them, trying to help them set up. It's the exact same thing in Australia. So we're, you know, working in different countries. Um, uh, possibly the next step is, you know, Canada. You know, but it's uh, whoever's passionate about that is is more than, to me, it makes more of a difference than anything else if they're passionate about the cause. And Sam was 100% first day I met him. You could see it just oozed out of him just Wanting to be there, sharing experience to make sure that you know you didn't lose any brethren to something that we've lost way too many to,
0: yeah and i uh, I, man, I think it's it's um, starting with like you said spicing things up, taking your taking your trade, like you've been like you take for granted, we take for granted for so long that you do a certain thing. I have even had that in business, other things in my life where it's so exciting for a while, and then things start to die, you know, you start losing that. So you have to continually find different ways to to keep that flame going. And I think the best way to keep that flame going is staying involved in doing these type of things. I find in business, and a lot of times guys get out, and they they can become successful in whatever it is they're doing, Um, they still have that component of that purpose that's missing that it's no longer about the greater cause now it's what they're doing is about their business or whatever so um they're missing that link and um you need to have that in you know you need to have that with you so being involved with stuff like this yeah, yeah that and that keeps the flame going man
1: so when you first got out though what was the hardest thing you know coming down here i mean i don't want to lead you down a path but what was the hardest
0: thing for you I think um, having that that true sense of um, of that purpose of today, like what I do matters for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yes. we're going out, we're taking a, we're going out to, um, to a, a different AO um, to take somebody there to make sure that they're safe. Like me and my guys, our job is to make sure that that dude gets home safe every night. Um, and then once, so once that's gone, you don't have that same sense of, Okay, what, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna get up and train. I'm gonna get up because I got I gotta make sure I'm I'm staying in the fight for my family and myself, which you know you you can use that, but it's still missing that component of having that 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 purpose that um, that you need to be doing something for um, the greater good of of all. Yes. You know? And that's what you get in the military or as a police officer or something like that. So. And I actually still fight. I still have problems with that, dude. You know, I still um, have fight that. So doing stuff like this, and that's kind of why I want to do it. I got bored with business, man. I got bored with it, um, you know. And then meeting the Rior guys and you, and starting this thing has has kind of got that flame going again for myself, awesome. you know. So, um, so yeah, man. And and then meeting other guys that are also like minded and. Doing similar things, or maybe feeling, going through similar situations, um, you know, coming together and then building something cooler, you know, together. So, that's that's what I love, dude, and I think it's so important. And if you're not doing it, you're gonna you're gonna find yourself in trouble, you know. And uh, meeting you guys and and Sam, like you said, he's such a genuine guy. He's a good genuine guy. that's is truly passionate about what what he does. Um, and it's cool to see something grow, you know, something that's growing, and I can see it for, with with both of those foundations. Um, so that's, you know, it's it's great to um, to finally have you down here and, and get to to see your your side of it and understand your um, your passion. And I think that's everything what you just said. You got to fi- you got to keep things. That, um, you got to keep that spice going, you got to keep that flame going, because it is hard. And so you got to push yourself to find something that makes it, makes it fuels you again.
1: The, the, the other issue was, um, and, and again, before we even started doing this, was looking at the different veteran organizations that were out there. And I always like to preface this point with, I'm not speaking ill of, of any uh, legitimate veteran foundation out there by any means. Um, but... Going to these hunting trips, they're great, but they're temporary. Buying a house for one of the veterans, honestly, in my opinion, is not a good idea. You know, because they they get to these homes and are the, and then everyone's like, hey, congratulations, thank you for your service. use a check. Here's a photo op. Blah blah blah. And then six months later, they're alone again. They have access to alcohol. They have plenty of drugs from the VA, and this is one of the catalysts for the high suicide ratio that we have in veterans. Um, the the the, the scuba trips and you know the these are all great things and, and again I I don't want to come across as being negative, but where we felt there was a gap was something they can do every day you know that uh, that reintegration back into society
0: uh, and I think that responsibility like today dude I got to go train so I can't yes tomorrow got to yes. train so I can't do drink yeah. I can't do this yes. shit I got to go to sleep I got to get up tomorrow I got to train I got to put on my my uniform I got to fucking yep. I got to be there for my my people there like now, what does that sound like right there yeah jiu-jitsu so, yeah, it's, it's so it sounds what, like a
1: sense of purpose yeah and you know what I yeah mean? Have, and that's what that's why I think becomes, that that you become the sense of purpose you become that purpose I need to do this for myself yep. so I can make sure that everyone around me is good as well I cannot protect my family if I'm a shitbag. bag
0: yeah
1: you know and then they start to realize that and they realize they can be better they don't have to be in the something they, they they have that support that they need they have other people that are struggling the same way they were if not worse and uh you know putting them in a an environment like that where they can actually have that that same alpha male that same or alpha female as well because we have females in the in the foundation as well um where, where they can actually release that stress to have that problem solving you know mentality Kay. you would not be in the position that you're in if you didn't like to solve problems yeah. bottom line i guarantee you you know because business is all about solving problems um and it's the same thing with jiu-jitsu that's that's the beauty of it that's why 23 years later i'm still not burned out on it because there's i'll turn on i'll watch one guy do something i literally have never seen in 23 years of doing this i'm like oh here it starts all over again you know so <laughs> you start to learn that you start to move forward but uh you know it, uh, having that that uh, that sense of camaraderie that you had um is a huge factor and it's something they could do every day and it's something that can uh, that the people in, the, in creating those environments that we were doing uh, with We Defy affiliations. I think we're over like 400 now,
0: or 450. Uh, affiliations I just heard nationwide. from that Ricardo today. Said that they they just got a booth right down the street, you know. Yeah. And he's got a seminar on the fifth, you know. So, yeah, I think it's like you said. Some of those things are great with, and I've worked with a lot of foundations too since I've started, from home builds to giving motorcycles away, all kinds of stuff. And that stuff, like you said, is temporary, man. It really is. Um, I think these guys need something that's more more permanent and more more daily. Um, so from what I've seen, and I've worked with adaptive athletes as well, Team SAR, we, we were the first sponsors from them because nobody, nobody cared about them uh, doing CrossFit or whatever. Um, and then that thing's grown and to see the people that are getting involved. And for those people, those adaptive wow. athletes, say, saying the same thing, Um, I don't, I want to compete against full body, you know, I want to, and they have, they compete against full, and they crush it, you know, and it's, to me, that's motivating, and to see guys like Mark, or some of these guys, getting in, getting in there, and getting it on, um, and continuing that mindset, makes, gives me no excuse, you know, so it's, that stuff just, just blows me away, and, and keeps, it keeps me fueled, so these types of organizations, like, We Defy, and Reorg, and Team SAR, and stuff like that, it's just, you know it keeps us in check man and that's Absolutely. what we need we need to be kept in check we need to have that responsibility uh, we need to have that purpose to get up and 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 get that sweat on and like I said a lot of these guys and gals come from that type of personality and mindset where they you got to be pushed you got to be training you got to be fighting you got to be moving forward and if you don't do that you're going to you're going to put that energy into bad things you know and that's where guys get into trouble so i love what you're doing with with the foundation and, and getting guys, um, I mean, fucking motivates me, dude. So Thank uh, getting these guys back in and, and truly caring about them, man. And then that gives you your sense of purpose too. You're, yep. you're a professional, you're a professor, you've, you've, you know, so now you're you're giving back, you know, and it's, and it probably fuels you a lot as, as well, I would imagine. Oh, so, absolutely. Um, I, I think
1: that. one of the biggest, uh, one of the best moments I had was, was, you know, going to different places, doing different seminars, different areas different states and meeting ambassadors for we defy that i've never met before i'm like i don't know who you are you know but you're part of the organization and then realizing that we have like hundreds of them all over the place and just to see it grow immensely and as much as i'd love to take the credit for you know we defy being at the place it is it's not me it's the people involved uh, travis larson is current president right now he's taking this you know to entirely new heights and, and even getting away from uh, just the jiu jitsu community, trying to get everybody, trying to make jujitsu jitsu a household name where people understand what it's for and the benefits of it, especially if linked for veterans. TJ um, Kreutzig, um, uh, Mike Anderson, uh, Cox, and there's the, a plethora of people that are behind the scenes that you rarely get to see or hear about that are really doing, you know, working the, the, the grinding the gears of this foundation and, and taking it to entirely new heights. Um, I, I'd be it'd be wrong of me definitely to, to overlook, you know, and, and not to mention them because they are the heart and soul of, of this foundation. And I, I couldn't be happier that you know, they chose to be with us. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in greatness, greatness happens and it does circles start to, to, to form, you know, with the right people doing the right things together with that same vision. Um, and it's just the same in business. It's... It's not just you cannot do everything. you got to have... It's all the people behind the scenes, man, that are making things happen. Um, but those have to be the right people yep. as well, you know? You might
1: have uh, you know, you a vision of it, but to actually execute that vision, you need specialists. You right. Know, just like anything else. Yep. I, I'm not a subject matter expert in everything, you know, <laughs> but I know people that are. Right. That's what really makes it. And it's taken me a long time to kind of understand that about business as well, but... I realize that you know definitely you have to know be familiarized with everything, but you can't be a subject matter expert in everything. No, it's uh, not gonna happen. You know,
0: you know it's like accounting, bro. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> sit down and be. I'm gonna I'm gonna hire a good accountant so I could focus on what I'm good at. You know, and sometimes it is hard for for us to because we want to kind of be involved with everything. Yeah. So sometimes it's like you know what I'm gonna let that go and I'm just gonna focus on. My thing, what I'm good at. As long as that person's a specialist, like you said, if I've assigned the right person to run that project. And over your advocates back to your account. Right, right, <laughs> dude. Yeah, man, I don't Excel sheets and all that, man. It's not my thing. But uh, it's it's all about the people, man, that, that you're with and around. And and um, you're definitely one of those guys, dude. So um you know anybody out there make sure you go check out the uh, We Defy Foundation Reorg Foundation they're on they're on uh, online you can find them on the, their website and their social media and you can kind of really get a good feel for um what these guys are doing pretty
1: soon, <clears throat> veteran grappling in Australia everybody coming up pretty fast too
0: yeah and just see it is it's cool to see see what you guys do in the next few years and, and grow that out so I can't wait yeah it's going to be badass dudes um well man dude uh yeah i love it dude I, you're a cool guy man you're you a real cool guy man and, and uh I, um i'm really excited that you were able to come down here and share some of your, your your thoughts and mindset and some of your past with some guys i do i get messages from guys all the time about some of the stuff we brought up man so it's i i hope that somebody can get something out of it <coughs> and um you know learn something and get better in some some way sh- shape or fashion form sorry my phone's going off um, I also saw there was a hotline as well on your website. So okay. any anybody that uh, needs to call in, there's a there's a hotline on on the bottom of the the website there with the number. Uh, make sure you're talking to people and um, you know staying in the fight and being around the right folks and staying away from the bad stuff out there. So,
1: and if if it's jujitsu that isn't you know your thing and you tried it out and it just isn't your thing, and this is why we have like the the program set up for six months. If it works for you, continue another six months. But get help somewhere. Get assistance somewhere. You're not. You're not an invalid. You're fully aware, capable of controlling your life, but do so in a way that will build your life, not destroy it. Um, that's the biggest thing. And, and we never have claimed that you know, we Defy or Jujitsu is is the solution. Never, ever, not a single time. We've always uh, presented it as it's a solution, and it's a solution that has worked really, really well for a lot of people. Um, uh, that's what we try to leave it. I just try it out see if it does. And then you're taking the first step to kind of better yourself. But that's the other thing about the foundation that we really were pushing was you have to want to help yourself. We can't, we, we want you to get better to blue in the face. If you don't want it, we can't do anything for you. Um, and so that it, it also takes that, um, that initiative and that responsibility out of everyone else's hands and puts it directly in yours. You want to get better? Yes. All right, this is what you need to do this is a way of doing it you know if you're not wanting you just want handouts you know then this is the right place or the right foundation for you um, and we try to make that abundantly clear in the mission statement and you know when we talk to people because they actually have to send them like video interviews and like why they feel they want to do that and so it got, it's it's evolved into a really good uh, uh, program where, where we're getting the right people in, and those those people that after they go through the year of it, they're becoming ambassadors and those ambassadors tell about their story and, and it just keeps multiplying after that. So it, it, it's, I couldn't be happier with it.
0: Yeah, that's great. You guys are doing great stuff. Uh, so um, I, I love it, man. Keep doing it. And uh, you know, I will talk offline too. I want, I, you know, we'd like to get, um, getting more involved with you guys and, and see what we can do to help, um, help spread the word and, and um, uh, help, help grow as well. So, Love it. Um, yeah, so, dude, uh, last thing I want to talk about real quick, uh, Tier 1 Training Facility. So that, that's your training group.
1: Um, so just recently made a switch. Um, I'm ranked under Chris Howder, um, so we decided strength uh, strengthen numbers. Um, so I decided to switch to Combat Base Texas. And Shibar Jiu-Jitsu. So that's the official name of the uh, training facility that I have out in uh, Dallas right now.
0: Okay, so you're in Dallas.
1: Yeah, just north of Dallas. McKinney, Texas is just just north.
0: What was that school that was up there, McKinney? CQC, CQ? um, It was... Some SF guys had a a course up there we ran. We went through probably six years ago. It was McKinney. It was at one of the... uh, An old facility there. CQD or something like that? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway... um, Dude, uh, yeah, so you got that. Are you still active in your tactical training as well then?
1: Um, to an extent. So uh, I developed um, uh, gun sights uh, for pistol um, about 11 years, no, not 11, um, about seven years ago. I um, managed to get two patents out of it. So uh, that's where I kind of stay back on the range is to kind of like uh, you know, R&D for that. Um, we're releasing on Black Friday. So, basically, they're horizontal line sites. So, instead of using the dots, we're using straight line. So, instead of having to match up the three dots and just make a fucking straight line, you're done. There's your side alignment. Wow. <laughs> Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Right.
0: I right? so. definitely want to check one of those out then, yeah. man. Dude. So, also, entrepreneur, businessman, freaking uh, visionary. Love it. It's cool stuff, man. N- never enough time in the day, right? That's why I don't give people like I'm bored. It's like, dude, what? How? The <laughs> There's so much going on. Um, well, dude, thanks again for coming down. You um, are freaking cool guy, dude. And I love what you're doing. Love what you're about, man. And um, yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. And uh, look forward to having you out here again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Man, right brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> Welcome to the Going Rogue with West Whitlock podcast.